There are two types of people in this world. Those who categorize things into two types and those who don't. You're listening to Braving Bad Bosses with Jeff DeWolf and Todd Chandler, where we discuss how to survive a bad boss and not be one. Welcome back to the program, everybody. This is Jeff DeWolf on behalf of Todd Chandler. We're excited to have you join us again. If this is your very first time, welcome. You have a lot to catch up on. So when you get a chance, go back and listen to previous episodes. This season, we are taking a little different tact, and we are talking about breaking the cycle of bad bossmanship. We spent two seasons talking about the behaviors of bad bosses, both the kind of willful behaviors as well as the sins of omission in season two, um, dealing with more of the things that bosses don't do that we wish they could do. This season, we're talking about breaking the cycle. What can we do as leaders, as future leaders, to be sure that we don't continue the cycle of bad bossing that we have seen for decades and generations, I think, you know, in America and probably everywhere around the world. Today's episode is going to focus on protecting and respecting our people. It is a critical element of leadership. It is part of having a mindset of of leadership that sees our people as most important in that um, we take seriously our role to both treat them with respect, but also to act as a protector of those people when they're being mistreated by others. And there's uh, most of you probably are in organizations where they do some sort of, I don't know, just call it harassment training, some sort of compliance training that deals with things like discrimination and harassment and sexual harassment specifically maybe, and, and retaliation. And that is, um, you know, that's great. That's great. Um, but if you're like me, uh, most of the organizations that, that do that treat it kind of like compliance. It's like, eh, it's a check the box. Lawyers tell us we need to do this. And so we implement it. And both, both managers and employees kind of endure it, right? They don't really take it seriously. It's like, great, you know. I think it's important as leaders of people that we take those sorts of programs seriously. But let's get beyond the program, okay? Let's move beyond this idea that this is a compliance training and it's just something I have to do to, to kind of stay out of trouble, to keep the company out of trouble, the organization out of trouble. I like to look at those sorts of things as just kind of basic training and doing what's right. It's unfortunate that we have to have laws on the books about discrimination, laws that prohibit harassment, um, but that's kind of where we are, right? The human condition is such that people tend to treat people poorly um, when left to their own devices. So it's, uh, it's sad that, that we're there, but um, as leaders, I think we have an obligation to understand what the, what the rules are, but most importantly, just to kind of model excellent workplace behavior when it comes to this stuff. So where did all this start? It starts with this idea of discrimination, like what is discrimination? In the U.S., we've had five major laws over the course of the last 75 years that have given us discrimination laws and have set the foundation and I'm not going to go into any detail at all about them, but it's, you know, it started with the Civil Rights Act in 1964 and, uh, and then moved through similar acts or, or other acts that dealt with age discrimination, pregnancy discrimination, disability discrimination, and then this kind of crazy one in 2008 that prohibited discrimination on the basis of genetic information, which is kind of fascinating. Um, if, you want to, if you want to know about that, go you know, Google GINA or the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act of 2008. And you might be interested to find out a little bit about really bad stuff that companies and insurance companies would do when they found out that you have a history of cancer in your family or mental illness or any of those kinds of things. And the discrimination that would take place was pretty baffling, really. And it's sad, but in 2008, laws were passed that prohibited employers and insurance companies from using that kind of family history or genetic information in 
deciding whether to hire you or employ, uh, keep you employed, those, those kinds of things. So those laws gave us protected categories, things like race, color, religion, national origin, age, pregnancy, disability. Those are things that the government recognizes as protected categories. In other words, you can't discriminate on the basis of any of those things. But ultimately, you know, what happens is that when discrimination exists, when there's malice and bias and discrimination against a certain type of person, basically just because of the, the category they're in or the type of person they are, what happens, unfortunately, is that it, it bubbles out of the human heart in something that is called harassment. When people feel that way towards certain types of people, it comes out in harassment. And it's just bad behavior, right? And so some, some harassment's illegal, but all harassment's inappropriate. So it's technically illegal if you're harassing someone based on any of those protected categories. You know, that's why sexual harassment is actually illegal, because you're, you're harassing someone based on, a, on their gender or a gender-related issue. So that's kind of just a, a really brief overview of, of why this is important from a legal standpoint. But, you know, it's common sense. And what might appeal to you kind of as current leaders or future leaders is that you need to see your role as a protector of people is very important, regardless of what the law says. So just because someone isn't in a formal legally protected category, I, I would encourage you just to ignore that. I mean, it, you know, if someone is being picked on because they're blonde, <laughs> deal with it, right? If someone is being teased because, you know, they're, they're 6'8 and they're always bumping their head on something, you know, deal with it. Nobody needs that environment, right? Create an environment of acceptance it's going to pay dividends. I think you'd probably agree. So that's kind of the main, main point I wanted to make about that from a legal standpoint. We don't want to fall into, we obviously don't want to get into any legal trouble, but as leaders, I think it goes beyond that. It, you know, if you manage people, start to see yourself, you know, in the role of protector. Have the mindset that says, you know what, my people are going to come to work and they're going to feel free to, to be who they are. They're going to feel free to work without any kind of bullying, excessive teasing, certainly any sort of sexual harassment or other harassment based on dis disability or anything else. It's not going to happen on my watch. I mean, draw a line in the sand. If you're seeing or sensing that there's this underlying, you know, teasing, bullying, animosity, it's a great idea, I think, to go to your team and just say, enough's enough. You know, I take ownership of it. I have let this culture be created. I don't think it's healthy, and I want to see us start to treat each other better going forward. Even if there isn't a specific issue or a specific behavior that needs to be addressed, um, I think you can go a long way to create that culture of respect and value, um, and valuing people's differences, just letting them be who they are, and then expecting great work as well, of course. You know, this starts with modeling. You as a leader needs, need to model the behavior that you, that you want. I'll be the first to admit that I have a sense of humor that can, um, I don't know, get me in trouble. And uh, I've got a pretty quick wit. I've got a pretty quick uh, a mind for, for jokes. And I have to admit, there are things that I feel like saying in a work environment that I have learned over the years just do not need to be said. I don't know if you can relate to me or not. Some people don't necessarily, it doesn't come that quickly. But for those of us that, that see something funny or have an innuendo pop into our heads, it's, it's so tempting to, to just let the comment fly. And as leaders, I think we have to be extra careful about that. Uh, I talk about in my training sometimes that, you know, when you hear that little voice in your head that says what you're about to say might be, you know, over the line, it probably is. Okay, so listen to that little voice. And as I always say, keep that filter turned on, especially if you're in a management role, because people will, will parrot that. People will repeat what they see, especially coming out of you. And so that's, that's really the first, first main point, right?
model great workplace behavior, treat everyone with respect, do not tease people based on appearance or, or anything else. And, uh, and you know, your work environment will still be fun. You'll find ways to make it fun and, and relaxed and casual and all of those things, but it doesn't need to include cutting comments or, or passive-aggressive teasing about behavior or, or about appearance uh, for sure. Okay, so let's move on to the idea of two types. I think there are two types of leaders in the world. Unfortunately, I think there are predators and I think there are protectors. And um, this is kind of a, a serious thing. And I really like the idea of this because if you think about it, if you can spot this in yourself, it's very powerful. If you think about the word predator, it basically means this. It means that you know we see the world as and other people really as something to be consumed. So stick with me here for a second because it's kind of a powerful thought. But that's what predators do, right? If you think of a shark, you think of a wolf in the wild, they exist to consume those around them, right? They're looking for their next meal constantly. And I think if we as humans kind of operate in this predator mindset, we see others as something to be consumed. You know, it, we, see, we see people around us at work, even our peers, our companies, our direct reports. We see them as means to an end that these are the people, these are the resources I utilize, that I consume in order to advance my career, to get that next job, to get you know, recognition or whatever the case may be. That's a very easy mindset to be in. But, but if you look at the role as one of protector and not a predator, we, we can see how that softens a bit, right? We're no longer just coming to work and thinking, how do I advance my objectives? I'm starting to think more about how do I, how do I, be, how do I play a role that moves moves objectives forward for the organization? How do I play a role in the lives of the people who work for me? Um, how can I protect them? How can I provide additional uh, resources to them? How can I get them opportunities? It's, uh, it's, it's just this change in mindset. We don't see our jobs as leaders in a predatory way. We see ourselves as protectors. So, oh, there's Hell's Bells. So let, let me get right to the three points, five questions, and one action to take when it comes to protecting and respecting our people, all right? So first off, the three points to remember. Number one, as a leader, you need to model great workplace behavior, and you need to resist the temptation to let familiarity with your people lead to inappropriate words or actions. That's, that's an important thing to remember. When, when we allow ourselves to become a little too familiar too buddy-buddy with the people on our teams that can quickly lead to inappropriate words and, and even inappropriate action. Second thing to remember, we have laws on our books to protect employees, and it's really smart to know what rises to the level of illegal activity at work. We need, to, we need to make sure that we are definitely stepping in when something rises to the level of illegal activity. But again, we're not worrying as much about the distinction between legal and illegal. Just use your common sense, and if you see behavior that needs to be addressed, just address it. Number three, your people rely on you to be a protector, so it takes courage. It takes courage, actually, for you to step in and intervene when people are being mistreated. Don't think of being a, a protector of people as some sort of wimpy role, right? It is not wimpy. Being a protector, if you think about it, it takes a ton of courage. It's putting yourself in the firing line. You know, It's putting yourself between a predator and your people. That takes courage. That's what leaders do. All right, five questions to consider as you move out of this concept and you start to think about how can I apply this to my life in my, in my office and in my family or whatever. Number one, would my team say that they feel respected and free to be themselves? What would their answer be? Number two, 
is, is there any behavior going on around me that I need to address? Number three, am I documenting my observations, my conversations, or any coaching sessions when I have them? So if you, if you address a bad behavior with an employee or just you know, have a coaching session that says, you know what, you're getting out of line a little bit the way you talk about X, Y, and Z, are you documenting that? Make sure you do that. Number four, am I modeling great behavior and respect myself? Number five, have I responded to all complaints or calls for help from my team? Has anyone come to you and sort of implied that they're feeling uncomfortable, that they're feeling teased, picked on, harassed? If so, one of the most important things to do is to do something. I've seen more companies and more managers get into serious trouble when they have an issue brought to their attention and they just don't do anything about it. They're uncomfortable, they, it's a he said, she said, and so they don't investigate. Don't fall victim to that. You know, have you responded to any complaints or calls for help from your team? Okay, so let me, let me wrap up with one action to take. And this is a tough one for me, but I, I think I mentioned it, but I'm going to reiterate this idea that the one action that I would take right now, if you finish this episode and you go back into your world, I would say this. Consider in your environment if there's any behavior that's causing people to feel uncomfortable, any teasing behavior, any kind of passive-aggressive uh, bullying, teasing, whatever, even if it's kind of done in that, in that guise of um, good-naturedness. I would say address it. That's the one action I would take. If you don't know for sure, then bring it up in your next team meeting. Hey, you know what, everybody, you know, nobody wants to work in an environment that makes us feel uncomfortable. Do you guys, how do you guys feel about our culture? You know, are we treating each other with respect? Is there, is there any behavior that we need to address? That might be another strategy, but do something about it. Go set down a new baseline, create a new culture, and, um, and let it be a culture of, of both protection and respect in your team. All right, with that, I'm going to go ahead and call it quits for this episode. Please join me next time. We're going to talk about the resources that our people need to actually perform their jobs well. It's, uh, it, I'm not going to say budgeting, all right, because I hate budgeting. But uh, there is a place for resource planning, for thinking through what my team needs, what my people are going to need in order to be successful and to have a good time doing the work they're trying to do without feeling the sense of scarcity of resources. We're going to talk about that briefly in our next episode on planning and resource management. Please don't tune that one out. I know for me even, it sounds extremely boring. I got to be honest, as a person who doesn't like to plan, but stay with me. Um, We're going to introduce an interesting way to look at resource planning and a new model that we created that I think you'll enjoy. Okay, so remember, you can break the cycle of bad bossing if you adopt the mindset and skill set of real-life leadership. See you next time.